It's good to be with you guys. Uh, my name is David Adair. I'm one of the elders here at Frontline Church. I'm the lead pastor of Frontline Edmund, and it's really fun to be with you guys uh, these last couple of days. I, I came to faith, um, got saved at a Promise Keepers conference in 1995. Um, and so when men get together, and particularly worship, um, it just reminds me of that moment where I was in Irving, Texas at Dallas Cowboys Stadium and was with probably 20,000 men just worshiping. And it's, it's been heart-filling for me to be here with you guys. I, I love you. And um, I want to begin as we talk about mature masculinity in marriage. And I just want to encourage you, men. I want to encourage you. you know, I'm, I'm proud in a real full way of each and every husband in this room. Because this is the reality. Like, to get down on a knee and look a woman in the eye and say, hey, I am asking you to be mine and I want to be yours and I want to love you and protect you and serve you for the rest of my life is one of the the clearest and most beautiful pictures of mature masculinity that we could ever see, right? Like I was talking to my friend Andy um, and my friend Jared, who I got to officiate his wedding six years ago in this room. And um, Andy reminded me of something that I said that I forgot, which is true. It's very true. And I've done probably uh, two dozen weddings in this very room. And this is what I know that's beautiful that most people don't get to experience. Like when a bride comes down that aisle, everybody turns and looks at her by design as they should. But as I stand right here and I officiate, what I love to do is I love to look at the husband. Because what I see in that moment is every bit as beautiful in a different way, but every bit as beautiful as that bride coming down the aisle. Because I see a man full of sacrificial love and presence and life. And he's seeing that that woman come down the aisle and he's just full of, of love. And he's, he's standing to such, such a manly thing, right? He's standing up before the church and before God, and he's making vows, making a commitment, making a future appointment with himself and his bride and saying, hey, in 50 years, it's you and me. If I've got air in these lungs, I'm with you. You're my darling, my, my one and only. And that is like indeed, right? Strength that the world needs. And so my aim today is to help us grow stronger as, as husbands. And to do that together, I want us to look at one of the most, probably the most helpful passage for me in all of scripture about what it means to be a husband. So if you don't have your Bibles, the words are going to be up here on the screen, I believe. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5. And we're going to look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands, you should love your wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that this refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see to it that she respects 
her husband. So yesterday we heard about how, how mature masculinity was all about blessing and projecting, and we, we talked about that this morning too. It's about projecting the, the good of God into the world. And Paul is saying here in Ephesians 5, mature masculinity, as husbands love their wives, as Christ has loved the church, he is, he's showing us and commanding us that, that mature masculinity as a husband means that you are projecting the goodness of God into the life of your wife in marriage. I can't ever read Ephesians 5 without remembering a story I read about five years ago. And it was a story about this city called uh, uh, Ruken. And it's Norwegian's village. And Ruken is right in the center of Norway. And it's just a hundred-year-old town built there uh, for a power plant. And right when they built the town a hundred years ago, they, they realized there was an issue. And the issue was because it was so deep in the valley and these Norwegian peaks were so high around it that, that um, six months out of the year, sunlight actually did not reach them. And so the founders of the city actually had this idea and it took 100 years to come to fruition and they finally did it in, in 1913. And what they did is they, they built giant mirrors on the tops of the peaks. It's a picture of them, you can see. And they're designed to be planted to face the sun. And those six months out of the year where these villagers cannot experience the sunlight because it's hidden by the mountains, the sun hits those mirrors and it reflects into the very heart of the city of that town. You can see a picture of these people standing and basking in the sunlight. You can see a picture up. It looks like the sun's rising. That's not those, those mirrors just reflecting, projecting the warmth and the heat of the sun. That's what I think Paul is painting a picture of. That to be a husband in a real way is to stand in the light of the love of God and then reflect and project that love into the life of your wife. Uh, the life of y- your wife. And this is, this is the miracle and the scandal that we would do that in such a way, Paul is commanding, that our wives would say the, the extraordinary thing. Hey, my husband, the way he loves me, it reminds me of Jesus. How can we love like that? How can we bless our wives in such a way that they dare claim that the love that we reflect and project into their lives reminds them of the very love of God. And I think we can find out when we look, we look at the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, what he's done. In the gospel, we see how he has loved the church, his bride, and that will help equip us to see how we love our brides in a way that, that points to him. And so we're going to look at three ways as husbands that we ex- experience the love of God and can project that love of God into the lives of our wives. And then we're also going to hear from our wives. Um, I sent a survey out to, to many of them and I got hundreds of responses, answers to two questions that I asked, that I asked the, the wives of, of many men in this room. And the questions were this, what does your husband do in your marriage that regularly blesses you, gives you life? There's good news for us to hear. And then the second question is, what does your husband do in your marriage that regularly curses you, robs you of life? There's some hard things for us to hear. But when we hear them, all of it is going to be a gift that we need to take to heart because there's wisdom in listening. And so first, we can love our wives like Jesus loves his church. When we see that Jesus loved his church um, through, through 
presence. You know, 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah was, was proclaiming, prophesying about his coming. And he said that his name would be called Emmanuel, which literally means, right, God with us. And when Jesus is born and he shows up, that's what we celebrate at Christmas every year, the gift that he gives in himself. He's introduced to his mom, right? He is Emmanuel. He's, he's, he's praised by angels by the name Emmanuel, God with us. And then when Jesus is getting ready to ascend and he's talking to his friends at the, the end in a way of his ministry on earth, he says, I will be with you always. Presence. Like in, in a real way, Jesus's love for his bride starts and ends with, with presence. One of the defining attributes of his love is being there, presence. Our wives, husbands, long for presence. And when they experience our absence, it's, it's cursing to them. 41% of the answers we got on that survey of wives who answered, what's the primary way? that you, you are cursed by your husband, 41% gave an answer that's tied into to absence. He's missing, he's not present. And it's not that we're not around, it's just that we're not engaged. Like Song of Solomon is this beautiful letter between a, a, the love of a husband and the love of a wife. And then the second chapter of Song of Solomon in verse 15, the wife pleading to her husband, she says, hey, catch the foxes that ruin our vineyard these little critters that want to sneak into our relationship and destroy and ruin and uproot, be on guard, hunt them, kill them, catch them. And I dug into the the details of the feedback of of what our wives said. There is one particular fox that wreaks havoc on your presence with your wife. Let me just put it this way, because I experienced this too. There are times in my marriage where if Anna found a love note written on the counter and the love note said, hey, you are always with me and I want to hold you and I want to stroke you. And it's like you were just made perfectly for me to have in my hands. I have so much fun with you. I love to take you to bed. You, you, your glow lights up my face. She'd be like, I'm so happy that you're writing to your iPhone. Dozens and dozens and dozens of our wives said, he's always on his phone. And I'm speaking to him and I'm trying to share with him and he, he's, he's not with me. You know, our phones have an off button, brothers. Our wives do not. And so that might be the fox. It might be something else. But the, the, to hear plainly from one of our wives, this summed up what so many of them said, 41%. One of our wives said, it's really hard for me to want to be intimate when I feel like I haven't been made a priority. And we haven't even had a conversation in in days. Now, conversely, 37% of our wives said the main way their husbands bless them is by being present. One of our wives says, it blesses me most when he spends intentional, undistracted time with me. The scripture says it's not good for man to be alone. It's true for our wives. It's not good for women to be alone. It's tragic when in marriage together as one, a husband and wife are alone. And it's, it's all too common. And based on the feedback that we got from our wives, based on the survey, the two big things that they want us to hear, the two big blessings they want us to, to bring is, is presence 
in pursuit. They want to be heard. They want to be chased after. Jesus did that for us. He was present. He was with us. He came to be with us. He is with us now by the power of God, the Spirit. And that is one big and beautiful way we can love our wives like Jesus loves the church is just by being present. Second, how can we love our wives like Jesus loves his church? In the gospel, we see that we can love by our sacrifice. You know, the night before Jesus died, he's, he's just serving his friends. He's, he's spending time with his friends at dinner, and he does the scandalous thing, the king of glory. He, he takes off his robe, he puts on an apron, and he kneels down, and he begins to wash his friend's feet. And he says, you're not going to understand what I'm doing right now. You don't know why I'm doing it, but you're going to understand later what this is all about. And then the next day, right, he willingly in love stands and is hung on the cross with the greatest act of of service and sacrifice in the history of the universe. He lays his life down for his bride. You know, um, one of my favorite places in earth, like a precious place to me, is this campground called Obi Joyful. It's like 15 minutes out of Crested Butte. And um, I go there, try to go there once a year with my family. And um, this happened last summer. And there's a trail that we're hiking, Obi Joyful. So I've got my three kids and my wife with me. I've got my three-year-old on one of those little like master blaster backpacks, you know, where she's, she's up here above my head. And we're just tracking through this trail. And the trail's about as wide as the stage, you know, about you know, 15 yards, I don't know, 20 yards. And um, on, on our left is this just sheer drop down to the Slate River. And on our right is just very steep cliffs up the mountain. And we're walking. This is about uh, 11 a.m. We're walking after, after breakfast in a lazy morning. And I hear in the distance, bear. Hear someone yell, bear. And there's bears all over there. And there's bear poop all over our campsite. That is bear country, right? And so I'm like, did, did someone just freaking yell bear? <laughs> and then, true story, there's this rustling in the bushes, up on the sheer side of the mountain. And I'm like, it's going, it's going down, right? And so Elliot on my back, like I've, it takes 10 minutes to get that thing off. And like 10 seconds, she's off on the ground. I have nothing except my pocket knife. I pull it out, like get down, ready. There's the bushes are rustling louder and louder. I'm like, it's, it's going down, right? It's going down. I'm like that dude on Predator, Billy. Remember when the aliens come in? I like cut my chest, just like, it's gonna get my family behind me. I'm going to lay my life down, right? I'm going to get my namesake, kill a bear, David, you know? I mean, it's, it was no question, like, it was, it was going to happen. I was going to freaking kill a bear or die trying. And, and then I see this black fur start to emerge from the bush. And there's the biggest, friendliest black lab I've ever seen comes out. <laughs> and it does that thing where a dog does, where it, like, leads with its butt, you know, because it wants you to pet it. And then like some hippie comes like five minutes later. He's like, sorry, man. I'm like, rename your dog. We're in Colorado. (laughs) If you're going to name your dog Bear, keep it on a leash, hippie. You know, Um, but (sighs) like a minute after that, I had the thought though, like, dude, I was going to do it. 
I was, I was, you know, I passed the test. Like family get behind me. I'm going to kill this bear, you know? And I'm starting to, starting to, you know, like, hey, yeah, yeah, yes. I would have, I would have laid my life down. Every one of us, every one of us would, would grapple a bear if our wives needed us to grapple a bear. It's, it's never a bear though. You know, we would, we would take a bullet for our wives, but the reality is brothers, nobody's shooting at her. Um, This is the point. Servanthood and sacrifice as a husband isn't a one-time grand gesture. It's an everyday and ordinary thing where the rubber meets the road that daily we're sacrificing and laying our lives down for the good of our wives. 44% of the wives reported that the selfishness of their husbands was the primary way they feel cursed. One wife said, when I come to him with real needs, they simply do not matter to him. But, this is good news, 67%, over two-thirds of our wives who were surveyed were over the top, gushing, just, just, just writing and writing and writing about the ways that you men in, initiate and proactively find ways to serve them and sacrifice for them. One wife said this, he is continually putting my needs above his. He thinks ahead of the small stuff he can do to make my day. They went on and talked about parenting and domestic support and just taking notice of where her heart is and saying, hey, why don't, why don't I take care of some of this stuff so you can go and get some coffee and recharge your batteries? Loving our wives like Jesus loves the church is being sacrificial. Not with just a grand gesture. Yes, if need be, we'll wrestle the bear. But the Jesus who raised from the dead also showed back up to his friends and cooked them breakfast on the beach. We're sacrificial husbands. And in that, we reflect the love of God. And lastly, how can we love our wives like Jesus loves his church? When the gospel, we see that we love by receiving new life. This is it, lastly. Like Jesus loves his bride ultimately because he's alive. He's alive. He rose again. He, he ascended. He's close to God. He's at the right hand of the Father. And he's building his church. He's pouring into his bride. He's speaking life into her. He's, scripture tells us, praying for her constantly. And to bless our wives, to project God's love and life into our marriage, or anywhere, in fact, as men, means that, that we are, are alive in Christ, that that life is first in us. Colossians 3, 1, through, uh, 1 and 2 says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. You know, the most common question I get as a pastor, one of the most common is, hey, how can a husband lead his home spiritually? But in honesty, what sucks about that is it's always a wife that's asking. One wife said, my husband curses me because he's passive when it comes to leading our spiritual lives. I wish he would come alive so I don't feel like the burden of our family's faith rests solely on me. The truth, brothers, is that to love our lives like we're, to love our wives like we're called to can only happen when we are made alive in Christ. And to, to, to love our bride, like Jesus loves the church in a real way, means that we're picked up by Jesus and he rings us. 
He holds us. And then that sound resonates to those around us. His love resonates to those around us. And the first person to fully feel that resound is the one that's closest to us, our wife. One way that many, many, many wives said that this comes to fruition in their marriage. Um, Over 20% actually named one thing where it it means the world to them. One, One wife put it this way. When he prays with me and when he prays for me, it makes my heart swell. May we be spiritually alive in Christ. May we be new creations, brothers. May we first experience and sit and bask in his love. May we know his presence. May we know his sacrifice. May we know the new life that is ours because of the life that he's given to us. And out of that, may we just pour and reflect and project that love into the life of our wives. So this is the question for us to consider where we're going to take a few minutes to pray and discuss in groups. And it's, it's one question. How can I bless my wife by growing stronger in my presence, by growing stronger in my sacrifice, or by growing stronger in my faith?